As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to an in-arena edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. I went and got the controversial Nate Duncan to talk a little Warriors-Hornets, some James Wiseman LaMelo ball. That's probably not the story of the night, though. Um, Draymond Green, 19 assists. Warriors, three straight wins. 19 and 15, first time they've had three straight wins. Where? Let's zoom out before we zoom into the game. Where are you at on this Warriors team right now? Yeah, you want to, it's starting to look pretty good. Kelly Oubre is out of his slump. He's hitting the three. You tweeted out his numbers. He's averaging over 20 points a game in February. He had six dunks in, in the first quarter. He's starting to look really good. I think the Warriors are getting to the point where against most bad teams, particularly when they're not on the road, they're doing a pretty good job. I think you can expect them to win most of those games. And this upcoming stretch is obviously going to be really telling. They've reached a point at which they are really good defensively, I think. Right now, you don't really see a lot of weaknesses out there. If you just go through all of the players on this roster, like most of the guys who get minutes are, if not great defenders, at least guys who can't be taken advantage of physically. And then they also have Steph as well. So I think really their biggest vulnerability is the teams that really are connected, that aren't going to make mistakes defensively, that can stay with Steph Curry and make the Warriors play a little bit more one-on-one instead of dream on just diming guys up. So that's going to be the next test for them is whether they can score against some really good defenses. Yeah, no, I've definitely noticed that this year where, like, suddenly the offense looks really good against average to below average teams. Like, Cleveland comes in here, and it's like they're just going to keep giving up back doors because Colin Sexton doesn't know what's going on, and there's just breakdown after breakdown, and suddenly you're like, man, this is, like, this is a 2018-type Warriors machine. I mean, they lead the NBA in assists right now. as a stat Steve Kerr said postgame, which is kind of crazy. Um, but sometimes that – style of attack doesn't work like you said against better defenses and they are about to see the Lakers a couple times in the next six games the Clippers the Jazz so yeah I want to see if if that style works a bit more than than maybe uh it has previously but 
let's talk about Draymond. Um, 11 points tonight. They just moved to 7-0 this season when he scores 8 or more. Kind of crazy he's only scored 8 or more points 7 times. But he... Talking like he's feeling like he's in better shape. Clearly, the Charlotte ejection motivated him uh, because this was three of his best games of the season. You know, the 19 assists, it looks good, but honestly, I like I care more about the 11 points. He took three threes tonight and made one, and I think he's made a three in, in a few of the last handful of games. And he does seem to at least be becoming a little bit more threatening than he did go into the rim when they give him the lane. And if he does do that a few times per game, he made five shots tonight, then defenses have to at least act like he might do it, and then that opens up the passing. And his vision right now is unbelievable. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a stretch of a lot of really good games coming up for Draymond because he's not going to score like he did in the past, but I still think he's in a pretty good place right now. Yeah, he's... Enough of a threat, particularly with Steph out there, because teams know that he can always just go screen for Steph if you're not guarding him. And he at least will take the three when he's in rhythm and open. You know, he, When he gets it up top and he feels like he can get something juicier, he'll look for that. But he throw it to him on the wing and it's late in the clock, he'll at least look to take it. And he's got like the fake DHOs going a little bit. He went up for... Uh, a dunk attempt the other night that was pretty aggressive against the Pacers as well. I think Wiseman being back actually helps him a lot too because now that two-on-one when it's he, him coming downhill and he can always throw it up to Wiseman. Now the guy's so worried about Wiseman that he, he can maybe finish it as well. And you know when it's him and Looney, that's a, a little bit more difficult. But, I mean, he's just out there like, controlling guys with the joystick like he's just like pointing Andrew Wiggins to go somewhere and oh Andrew Wiggins just cuts and he gets a layup right I mean against this Charlotte team uh his brain especially when you put him together with Steph the a young team like this you know Jalen McDaniels and Miles Bridges as the backup four and five they they can't deal with that no I mean it and now he's got he's controlling Ubre now suddenly the joystick's working for Ubre which you know the first month that was a big problem it was he was trying to point Ubre this way and Ubre's running into Steph over here and uh all six of Kelly Ubre's first quarter dunks all six were assisted by Draymond Green um that's working. Kelly Oubre's working on this team right now. Kelly Oubre's been better than Andrew Wiggins in the month of February. Kelly Oubre's averaging over 20 points on 50% shooting, 40, I think 44% from three in February. He's not going to keep shooting 44% from three. But he looks like a really good Warriors player right now, which is like, I didn't know that. I If you asked me in January, I didn't think that was ever going to happen, where he'd look like he might help them, but I didn't think he was going to look like he'd help them within their style of play. He looks like a fit right now. Yeah, the, it's going to start to become a storyline of how much it's going to cost to re-sign him. Times seven on the tax or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> um, what do you? I'm, okay, what's his market? We can talk bigger scope on Uber. What's What do you think his market will be? Yeah, that's an interesting question. There's a lot of free agent money out there. And, uh, I mean, we'll see how he looks down the, the rest of the year and in the playoffs. You know, He had, he had some time in the playoffs early in his career with Washington, but obviously not the last two years. With Phoenix, he's been healthy, too. He was coming off that meniscus surgery. I mean, he is just an absolutely devastating dunker. I mean, it is really underrated, and you know, I'm sure you put this in your piece today, but he's got uh, 58 dunks in 33 games, and 
Uh, I think he has 71 is his career high before this, and obviously in a lot more games that, than that. So, uh, And he had a lot of those dunks and cuts last year with Phoenix, too. Uh, and his defense has been very solid. So I think I really want to see what he looks like, you know, if he's got a guard, uh, a big wing in the playoffs as well. But he's also probably their best option on point guards. I mean, he's playing the two right now. He is a, a two-man with a 7-2 wingspan, and he's hitting his threes. So it, you can't it, really complain about what you're getting from him right now. So, I mean, you would think he's like a solid wing starter. That's like, it, I mean, at least – a long-term deal at what he's making now is your starting point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and he's a, right now proving he can be a winning perimeter component on a winning defense. I mean, this is a fourth-ranked defense of basketball, and he's a pretty big part of it. I mean, I would say Wiggins is more their, like, I don't even want to call Wiggins necessarily a stopper, but he's their version of a stopper. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to get run over, yeah. right? Like, that's that's what you need at that position. Yeah, but Ubre takes shifts on the best perimeter players. He he gets steals, blocks, deflections. He, he doesn't. He, early in the season, he was he was giving up. He was having a lot of defensive errors, getting beat back door. Sometimes he'd come back and block the shot, but he doesn't really seem to be like you. I, I mean, it's not that he doesn't make any errors, but I I definitely don't remember. You know, you're not seeing them as often. Uh, he's like locked in right now. Like he just is a really steady, consistent player. And now the first month, it was like he would have the random seven of ten night and a random great night, but it was always mixed in with like one of ten and like you know he lost them games. Like there were several games in January where you left the game going, man, Kelly Oubre straight up lost them this game. He hasn't done that in a month. Like this has been like a really consistent play for for fourteen straight games, really. So um, that's very encouraging. Um, Wiseman, another odd night for really an odd rookie. Um, sixteen points in sixteen minutes. Dunk machine, seven to ten. Um, had a really sweet block, nice like double jump defensive play. Like obviously, like the superstar potential. If that was like the consistent player is like, you know, continuing to show itself several times per game, but also the strange mistakes. At this point, he probably would have, you know, if he catches every single pass tonight, that we, I think we both counted five. That's another 10 points. We're talking about 26 points in 16 minutes. Not that like we should expect him to catch every ball, but five in a game, five bobbles in a game is a lot. Um, and then, you know, to, they try him in the second unit, and he's trying the mid-post stuff, the fadeaways over Gordon Hayward. I get it. I advocated him being in that second unit. I do think if they actually want to try this, they need to get a better mix. I've talked about Jordan Poole as a playmaker and some wings. I don't really like him next to Pascal, but you got to find minutes for Pascal. I don't know. It's odd, but he's the second overall pick, and they're trying to develop him. They're trying to win. I don't know. I mean, it's it, – it's it's kind of weird. It's it's a weird balance that they're they're trying to uh, strike here because it's not like he he's not showing the potential of you know down the road if developed right he could be a franchise piece. But at the same time, he can be hurtful at times on the court for them, but also helpful. I don't, it, it's just all. Yeah, I mean it, it's particularly like going to him in the post as a source of offense on the second unit. Like that's that's not the right. He did have like. The one six spin move. Who was that? Was that on Miles Bridges? Washington, I, I, think. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. PJ Washington's not a not a very good individual defender. Um, I mean, that looks. That's like 
if you just saw that play, if I, if I brought you to the game yeah. and you just saw that play, you might go, is that the best player in the NBA right there? Yeah, no, you would. But then, I, I mean, and I think he needs to get stronger too. I mean, he looks he looks big and he's huge, but he also can't uh, get low. He can't really move guys like Hayward, right? I mean, and he's he. He, he wants to go for, like, the skill game and the spin move and the step back fadeaway. And when it looks the best for him is when he's getting that deep post up, deep seal, sprinting the floor and transition against a smaller player. Like, those are some of the really nice plays. Yeah. And, you know, it, by the way, if anybody's hearing the walkie-talkie, that's just, uh, it's just a little in-arena fireworks. It's okay. People, we're back at the arena. This is good. This is what my podcast used to have when, when I used to go to games. But, uh, yeah, they, he's best right now as a power player. And you're right. I mean, he gets – I think the legs may – you know, legs will get stronger. Uh, but he's clearly – I mean, he's 19. He's getting pushed around sometimes by, by grown men a bit. Um, but if he just had the power mentality and was like every bucket I'm going to get is going to be, you know, I'm fighting on the glass. I'm deep ceiling. Sometimes he does get down deep, has a smaller player. Draymond threw one over the top today, and he got a bucket off of it. Um, but he's – does have some decent touch on the jumper and you know he he's admitted it to me he kind of falls in love with it a little bit you know he's always played like you know because he's so impactful if he even earlier in his career in high school when they're like hey you know be more physical go dominate he's like well i kind of want to shoot the jumper once in a while and I, I, they're gonna probably have to live with that and as they try to grow him I mean, him having a three-point jumper, although I should say he should probably only do threes or dunks, right? I mean, like, the, he should probably give up the two-point jumper. He's probably not going to, though, so you're going to have to try to live with that. I don't know. But, st- like, do you think he can be a winning component this year? Or I mean, maybe that's just a night-to-night thing. Like, wh- what, what kind of Wiseman do you get on that particular night? Yeah. Well, I do think that Looney... Pascal and Draymond are all better center options for them. Like Pascal, I think we've seen at least that he can be a slight source of offense on on that second unit where you can actually throw the ball to him and, and he can create something in a matchup, which I don't necessarily trust Wiseman to do. I think he's getting better defensively. Um, you know, he's still uh, – Ethan talked about this on the pod that we did. He still does these – just jump in the air but kind of deactivate and not really actually try to stop the guy which was better than just jumping at everything and fouling so he he at least avoided that tonight but he doesn't have a great natural timing for shot blocks it's just that he or at least when it's in the guy's hand right if guys move the ball around he's not gonna be able to get him he'll get the shots in the air like on that double uh the second effort play that he made so, but we're not seeing the egregious kind of mistakes as much. He did get killed in pick and roll defense when Sabonis went crazy. He and TJ McConnell were and McDermott were going nuts on Wiseman in the Indiana game in the second quarter. But it's not as egregious as we're seeing. He did get pulled for a defensive mistake in the fourth. So, I don't think that. Hopefully, it's getting to the point where in most matchups he's not going to kill them, which is kind of what was happening very early on. But he also isn't the best option either. And they're going to keep playing him. If we get it in the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. And maybe he'll get better, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him on eight minutes a game in the playoffs by the end of a series. 
We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I think they're pretty committed to the close, you know, you come in at the six-minute mark, you know, when they pull Looney, six- or five-minute mark of the first and third quarter. Because Looney, you know, I mean, Looney's not at a physical point where you want him going longer than six, seven-minute stretches anyways. Closing the quarter, you know, with Draymond and Steph. Looney Looney was great tonight, though. I thought he's he's – He's had a good season. I Like, he can stay in front of guys on switches. Like, it is a – when you got him and Draymond and Wiggins and Oubre and Steph out there has gotten much better as an individual defender too. You don't they can switch everything if they need to. And like they're actually much more comfortable switching him onto guys in the perimeter than Draymond at this point. Like they'll switch everything with him, whereas Draymond is playing much more of a conventional pick and roll defense uh, than he has been. We'll see whether that, that changes later in the year because they just want to keep him on the back line to rotate. And he's been very good in that role, forcing misses at the rim the last few games. But, uh, I mean, Kevon Looney has been really good. Like, he's really underrated. And, yeah, he'll do these awkward pump fakes. And but, like, he just knows where to go. He knows how to screen. He's especially against a team that doesn't have a ton of size and athleticism like the Charlotte team. Like, he'd be really effective. Yeah. The Warriors just, I mean, like the Wiseman thing is going to be something for them all season to just kind of, it'll be give and take uh, with that balance. They do need to find a better second unit. Uh, you know, the the Pascal small ball ran its course, it felt like. You know, it had. Well, well if he's, if he can just like get healthy again, I mean, he, you would agree he just doesn't look as explosive as he did early in the season, right? No, he had like an eight-minute stretch where it was like 14. They had that seven-game homestand at the start of the season. Pretty much all seven games. It was like 14 a night in like 13 minutes on like efficient stuff. But they was like always burst by the big, burst by the big. That first step go isn't there. He's still wearing the leg sleeve on the knee. Um, so, no, I again, I, I'm, I really do think they might give Poole a run. What do you think about Wanamaker? Where are you at on Wanamaker? Because that really probably is where the decision lies, where Steve Kerr is saying Brad Wanamaker has been a part of this great defense. You know, it's like when Steph and Draymond are off the floor, there's you know, 12 minutes a game of Brad Wanamaker, and they say he's, you know, the argument is he's just steady. He's defending well in that second unit because he's not shooting it well. He's not finishing at the rim. He's not a playmaker. Um, He's just not a good offensive player right now. But if you put Jordan Poole and James Wiseman for the first six minutes of the second and fourth quarters, you're going to, I believe, score better. And, and Wiseman really likes playing with Poole, and you'll have some pick-and-roll juice. And you and not only that, you're going to discover what you have in these your last two first-round picks, but you're going to defend worse. And if you're trying to build a backbone as this like top five, now top four defensive team in the NBA, it's risky. To, to do that for 12 minutes game. But at the same point, I mean, Wanamaker's giving you nothing offensively right now. Yeah, I think he can be better, uh, particularly as a spot-up shooter. It's just that, I mean, he's not a pick-and-roll point guard. And so expecting him to, you know, to be the guy running the offense, like that's never been what he, he's going to do. Uh, 
I think the biggest problem with the second unit is actually Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins has been horrible in those minutes. You hoped that, and I think he's been a decent enough fit for this team overall, but like he basically has forgotten how to dribble at this point. Like he, he can't even like take more than two dribbles against any kind of pressure without fumbling it or losing it. And he, his mid-range jumper is not going down at all. Like He's shooting 36% on mid-range jumpers when I checked it a couple of days ago. And particularly in those minutes where, I mean, they're not going to him to create. Like, I'd like to see them post him up a little bit more. Like, that's really the one place he's able to be effective, getting to that jump hook and maybe forcing a double team. But, like, the hope was that he could be, yeah, he's never been efficient, but, you know, he could give you a 52% true shooting. And, like, you know, this is a guy who is, like, 30% usage and, like, not – he was never particularly efficient. He didn't do other things. But he could at least, like, create a few shots for you at, like, slightly below league average and make some of them. And he's not even doing that right now. No, he had moments early in the season. I mean, uh, with Steph off the court – that that win they had in Detroit on that opening road trip where it felt really questionable early in the season where they got blown out twice. I remember he had like 17 fourth quarter points and like 12 of them were like right at the start of the fourth. And that was like, yeah, that's the second unit leader uh, you were expecting. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, it's I hadn't thought about it much, but I mean, when you make the point about the dribbling and pressure, yeah, he's like where it's like the ball, sometimes he even like, maintains possession but it's like it kind of like goes away from me has to like chase it down and like grab and like pass it um it's 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 yeah i I agree with you but at this point i I don't expect andrew wiggins to be the offensive hub of that unit and that's i mean let me ask you about jordan Poole then i mean you know i think he's like third in the g league bubble and scoring i mean i i know his flaws i know he hasn't shown a ton although i i thought as as more of an on-ball guy late in his rookie season he did show a bit more he has creative passing skill he's also turnover prone um what do you think about that idea of pool wiseman and three wings or you know you could have pascal in that unit but i've said pool wiseman three wings See what you got in those two together. Who do like they do like running the pick and roll together? Yeah, I mean you've been lapping up these uh, Santa Cruz games. I I haven't watched much of that. I mean in his NBA career, I haven't seen anything to indicate that Jordan Poole is capable of being a primary creator at the NBA level. I think he just doesn't have the level of athleticism uh, or shot making that you need. I mean, he's got some creativity. He's, he's got some moxie. Uh, I get that, uh, but and I also do think that giving Wiseman some more pick and roll reps would be useful. And because yeah. because then you're giving him you're giving Wiseman a little bit more offensive creativity exploration in that second unit, but you're not doing it like they're doing it now when you got Wanamaker out there when it's like oh let's like try to post him up in the mid post and like let it run through him. It's like no, it would be running him as the screener with pool. That I like that more than what they're doing. If they're if they're committed to like giving Wiseman this developmental time which is in all it's already during their worst points of the game then i just think they should create an environment to maximize him more than like you saw that lineup out there <laughs> like that is a not a good nba lineup well and so are you just taking pascal out at this point then yeah i mean you could even give pascal some four minutes in the first or third quarter but like my thing with eric pascal is like you're an NBA four. I understand that like small, they found a little bit of a small ball rhythm, but like if he's going to be a center, he's going to be a third or fourth center on an NBA team. You know what I mean? Like 
I don't know, his future. Like, he better learn how to play the four. As we're talking about this team trying to figure out who they are as they go into the next season, get Clay Thompson back, Eric Pascal needs to be a four. Like, he's yeah. just, that's what he is. Well, well, I also wouldn't mind just maybe saying, hey, we're going to shut Eric Pascal down for the next three games in the All-Star break and, like, try to actually get him right. You know, I, I think that's the the bigger problem. Like the the knee soreness, like doesn't look like it's going away. And it, to his credit, I think he's found a way to play with that, where he's using his power a little bit more. He's playing even slower, uh, but he doesn't have the lift on his jump shot. He doesn't have the same lift around the rim. He doesn't have that quick first step going to his left uh, that he had a, a month ago before he started missing time uh, with the, the knee soreness. So. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't think that you need to, like, build everything around Eric Pascal, but the reality is that's really the only time that that group has been effective this year. And so, yeah, I mean, would I try it? Sure. Uh, you know, maybe they could even try to find someone who can run a little more pick and roll uh, at the deadline or uh, on the buyout market. I mean, that's always – but they don't they, – I mean, that that second unit just needs – all you need is just something, right? I mean, maybe that's giving Wiggins some more reps as a pick-and-roll guy and hoping that he can discover more. Maybe that's like, all right, we're going to post him up half of these possessions and see what happens. But they just they pass the ball around, and they just don't really have an identity of what they're going to do other than just stopping people. And, and even that is not going to be that amazing either. So, um. Yeah. Um, last segment. So the Warriors tied with the are now tied with the Spurs and Blazers in fifth in the West. They're about to play all those top five teams over a six game stretch. Where where are they at in your like West pecking order right now? Obviously the Jazz. We don't even need to have a conversation about Jazz and the two LA teams. But Phoenix is Phoenix a clear four to you right now in the West? Yeah, I would put Phoenix pretty clearly ahead of the Warriors as it stands right now. Maybe we'll see them start to look a little bit better. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say so uh, with Phoenix. But then, uh, and, you know, Denver is really, really yeah, struggling. Denver's well. at the eight, which is weird. You would think they were the guaranteed five where, like, the tops you would feel like the Warriors should get to six. But right now, the two teams that the Warriors are tied – I would say this. The two teams that the Warriors are currently tied in fifth, Portland – and San Antonio, I actually like the Warriors more than those two teams. I like Denver more than the Warriors, so I would consider right now. If healthy, if healthy. That's, I mean, Denver just, you know, Millsap's been out. Their defense has been atrocious. Like, Nikola Jokic is 76th among centers in defensive RPM right now. You know, that's been really, really ugly, and they just, Jermichael Green can't get healthy, and Gary Harris has been in and out. They really, they're just, and they don't have a ton of depth on that team either. They got a lot of young dudes who kind of are not, are not in. Yeah, I, I like them better than San Antonio. I like them better than the current version of Portland without CJ and Nurkic. If those guys come back, then maybe it's a, a little bit different. But I think the Warriors are are. A pretty good matchup against Portland because they have guys who can guard Damon CJ. You know, Draymond has always been a big kryptonite, and Portland just can't play any kind of versatile defensive style. So Steph is always going to kill them. So there's, uh, I think the Warriors match up reasonably well against Portland. I think they're kind of in the same group there. Uh, so yeah, I mean they they could be the sixth best team in the West uh, potentially. Uh, and depends, you know, we'll see whether Denver can get healthy or not. 
we'll end with optimism. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Well, Warriors at Lakers on Sunday, and you know that's a Lakers beat the Blazers tonight, but it's a Lakers team that's kind of reeling a bit themselves. No Anthony Davis. I think they've lost like five or seven, something like that. So um, I'd say. The Warriors will not be favored, but that's a winnable game for the Warriors the way they're playing. So uh, I will talk to you probably Sunday.